This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Lyft. Join the ride-sharing company that believes in treating its people better. Go to lift.com slash badchristian today. You can get a $500 new driver bonus. That's L-Y-F-T dot com slash badchristian for a $500 new driver bonus. Today's show is also sponsored by Casper. Get premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Sleep on Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Save $50 off any mattress purchase today by visiting casper.com slash bcpod and use promo code bcpod at checkout. Welcome to the podcast, buttheads. My name is Matt. Before we get going, I want to make sure to tell you about a couple of real important things in this live shows. So the Bad Christian Podcast, we don't go around doing a whole lot of touring or live shows, so it's important to come see us when we do. And we're going to be at Audio Feed Festival in Urbana, Illinois, on June 30th. Uh, the whole festival is going to be really, really good. David Bazan is going to be there. John Mark McMillan is going to be there. Uh, Matt and Toby my band with Toby is going to be playing a show there and it's going to be great. We were there last year. It's a really excellent festival and we would like everybody to come there and meet us and see us. We know there's going to be a bunch of people in the BC club, etc., in there as there were last year. So go to badchristianday.com to get those tickets. You buy that through our link. You may have to go to their regular old website, audio feed festival, um, Dot com to see who's playing the lineup and get the details. But when you buy your ticket, please go through our link, which you can find the easiest way to do is badchristianday.com. So please come out and see us there. Also, our band Emory's got shows on the uh, surrounding those dates in Indianapolis and Detroit and Chicago at the end of the month here and beginning of July. And you can get those at emorymusic.com. They're acoustic shows. They're special where we hang out with Devin, Toby, and me, and Dave. And we're going to hang out all night, meet everybody, have a party kind of like a private VIP party, and then we're going to play a real long acoustic set of all the coolest songs we know. And also, Emory's got dates on the West Coast there coming up in July in Texas later on in the summer, fall. Go to emorymusic.com to see those dates. Okay, start the podcast. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Backing up. That's the sound of Joey's ass backing up. Bad Christian. Bad oh, Christian right. podcast. Okay, welcome to the show, everybody. That was a good beatbox yep. there at the beginning. I can't believe with wow. the Skype delay the way it is and as much problems as it causes conversation and interrupting that you can somehow synchronize yes. your beatboxing to be in tempo like you did. Can't believe it. It, hey, it's the Lord's blessing. I had um, I had a bunch of elders one time come into our yes. office, and I said, hey, uh-huh. I just want the Lord's favor on our beatboxing part. Mm-hmm. They did it, and uh, God is faithful. Well, I always thought once you had sex with a person, you, the two become united. That's, that's right. That could have been that. Yeah, it could be that. Oh, I, I forgot let me, about and that. And let me clarify. I had sex with Joey. <laughs> just, to, just, just putting that out. If, I, don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but I... Just in case that wasn't clear Joey. in the joke. Let, I let don't me want any confusion. Tell me just had sex with I, I Joey. Si- yes. Okay. Not, Got it. <laughs> definitely hey, not that, the other way around. That, that's going to be the title of this episode. People are going to go on iTunes. Oh, a new episode. 
Toby had <laughs> sex with Joey. <laughs> How are you guys oh doing today? Gosh. What's going on in the in the in the bald headed world of Joey's fencing? I always like hey, to start I'm, with. I'm I'm solo uh, solo parenting this weekend. Ooh. So it's going out with some friends, and so I just figured we'd a bunch kick of it dudes. off. Kick it off with a splash. Uh, took the kids to uh, Dunkin' Donuts on my way to my parents' house. Got to get them started early. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I was just like, hey, this this will be a nice little treat. We'll skip breakfast at home, you know, load you up with some sugar, drop them off at my parents' house. Yep. I get out of the car. We all go into Dunkin' Donuts, and, uh-huh. I mean, it just didn't take but one second for there to be a stupid altercation between William and Waylon to – to be first in line. Like, there's already a long line, so they're not even first. They're just in front of me. And they both immediately, oh, it's here first, oh, it's here. And they're, like, shouldering each other. And they start really pushing. And I, I, so I grabbed them both, and I said, we're going outside right now. So I, I went outside there ass. and talked to them. I said, I hope this was worth giving up your donuts because you're not getting a donut because of that stuff you pulled in there. And Ooh, so Waylon loses his shit completely. He's so we are outside of Dunkin' Donuts. Like he, the like bus- he poops himself. You're saying <laughs> the the busiest time of Dunkin' Donuts. You know, uh, eight thirty, <laughs> and there's yeah, cars you know, all yeah. over the place. There's, there's people in and so out. So many pastors there, <laughs> and my son and is screaming. Rush, and, you know how it is. And, and so I actually tell him, "Come here, get in the car," and he starts walking away from me. So here oh, I am, snap. the parent that's going after his kid to grab him by the arm and to drag him to the car and then i end up spanking him in the car and so all of this <laughs> lord in the all car. of this made all this made me realize there has been so many times that i've been observing other parents parenting and i've been thinking it must suck to have no control over your kids that that's you know never right. going to be me because hey i'm a good disciplinary my kids listen to everything but I realized at that moment, any and everybody that was watching me thought that about me, that, that no I had control. no control yeah. over well, my kids. Did it, I didn't have any moment. disciplinarian system built in at home. I wasn't raising my kids right or anything. So it was definitely putting myself in my place when it comes to judging other parents. So in order was, to quell the criticism from the other patrons at Dunkin' Donuts, you demonstrated to them you did have control by beating the shit out of your kid in the backseat of your Ultima. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> there you go. I showed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about kids is I hate this moment where I, you know something's going wrong and I go, all right, I'm going to have to make a claim now. I'm going to have to assert something. And I know that it's basically, all, and a lot of times it's a bluff. And I'm assu- I'm hoping the kid doesn't call my yeah. bluff. Like, if you do this, you will not get this, which is an eff- right. effective statement if they believe it. But if they call your bluff, I mean, so there's some situations when you know you were bluffing, like you were going to cave and you just hope they didn't call it. Sometimes they'll call it. Like you say, get yeah. over here right now. And that's why spanking right, totally. is somewhat reasonable because at some point, if he's going to turn and walk the other way to try to cross the street or something, you <laughs> right. can't just say, well, okay, you win. I'm sorry. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, you know. yeah, totally. The, the, worst, the worst is like when you slip up and you say the most inconvenient possible 
uh, consequence for their actions. Like it's like you're two miles down the road and you're, you, you basically said there's three other kids that are behaving perfectly. And you said, if you don't start crying right now, I'm going to turn right. this car around. Yep. And they you keep crying. You're like, yet. shoot, right. I got to turn yeah. the car around now or else I have no. But man, I, I seriously, I, I didn't think that this was even possible with me because you guys know the things that I've talked about on this this podcast and just my openness and everything. I never thought that I could be really embarrassed as a parent, but it 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 was an, an embarrassing moment. Like oh. I had zero control over Waylon and I knew people were watching and it was just like there's nothing I can do because he has lost control. And and it and it was kind of a rarity. If any of our kids is going to do that, it's going to be Waylon, but mm-hmm. even him, he doesn't do that but and then you think about it i mean this is what's priceless all of that because he can't get a donut this morning like wouldn't it be great if if it never got any worse for waylon in his life like that's the worst problem he's ever gonna have in his whole entire life well he treated it as such i mean that's as big a problem you have the thing about getting donuts like that i think is funny too is no matter what i have this theory that no matter what everybody loves to tell you don't they like to criticize you for giving kids sweet things, except for they only mean other people because grandma, mom, all these people will get on to me for giving, for instance, Georgia treats. But the second they get the kid alone, they immediately give them treats. Do you know what I'm talking right. about? Like <laughs> yeah, Georgia totally. will say, you can't give her this. Don't, don't give her a donut. Don't this and that. But immediately when it's time for them to do something special, everybody does treats immediately. Grandma, right. same way. They just, right. everybody wants to, they want, only them to be the one that spoils the kid with the donuts or ice cream. That's all it is. Yeah. And they want to criticize think another, other people giving kids sugar. It drives me crazy. I think another thing that's pretty funny is the fact that there are certain sweets that are just deemed as breakfast sweets. And so in our minds, it makes a lot more sense. But like, for example, I sure. took my kids to eat donuts. But if my kids <laughs> got up in the morning and there was leftover chocolate cake from the night before right. and they said, hey, can I have a piece of that for breakfast? Right. I'd be like... Are you kidding me? Of right. course not. You're well, not going to have chocolate cake for breakfast, and yet my daughter had a chocolate glazed donut for yeah, breakfast. Well, uh, no orange way. juice and Coke. Yeah, pancakes same right. way. But orange juice and Coke are, are just almost you oh, know, know nutritionally identical. I mean, of course, there's vitamins <laughs> and stuff, but is the sugar content is the uh, the pre- the reason you don't let them have Coke in the morning is because of the sugar content, which is identical in orange juice. Now, right. on right. top of that, maybe orange juice has vitamin C or whatever. <laughs> but it's, it but does the same a, thing you to your blood sugar. You can take a vitamin C pile and wash it down with an ice cold cup. Right, it does the <laughs> exact the same thing to your blood sugar, but it's just, it's just you would be almost called CPS if you gave your kid a Mountain Dew in the morning. <laughs> yeah. it, it would be funny though, Joey, like what if that is the worst thing ever to, for Waylon? And so like fa- fast forward, you know, 25 years from now and people just see a, you know, a 20-something year old man getting the hell beat out of him at a, in a car. And that's you, because parenting never ends, because <laughs> he can't get a donut when he's 28 years old. <laughs> do you? How, how often do you Does spank? That I didn't even know you were doing spankings. I don't. I don't. We don't do. Are you spanking uh, at all, Toby? Not really. How, how yeah, often we, we, we do have spankings. in the past, but it, it's so uh, it's so weird. Like I, I, there's no way to really articulate this other than there's like this feeling that I have. I spanked William for the last time last month. And I had the same thing that happened with Rosa and Gwenny. It was like when I spanked them, there was some switch in my head that was like, that's the last time I'm going to do that. And I don't know. It, it could be completely emotional. Like, I just can't stand to do that. But I think for me, it's like, wait a second. This isn't the most appropriate way 
to reinforce certain behaviors for them at this juncture in their life. So I'm not comfortable with spanking any of my kids except for Waylon at this point. And for for me, it's just as simple as it is the most effective tool to help him and his behavior. And, you know, I've, I've read up on spanking and all that sort of thing, and I thought this is so interesting. They said that this, the, the result of a spanking should be your kid turning towards you and basically uh, a, an embrace or some sort of reconciliation. I know that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but that is just the truth. Like, and if not, you're doing I, it wrong would be the, the, uh, the Well, uh, other, otherwise, it's, it's not a good thing to do with yeah. your kid. If, if a spanking actually makes them feel more distant and they don't feel like they can turn towards you for their yeah. comfort and repentance or whatever you want to call it, then you might as well just stop spanking because that's the whole purpose of it. And every time I spank Waylon, there is a very sweet, soft moment of, I love you. I don't like doing that. That it, it really breaks my heart when I have to spank you, but it's my responsibility as a parent to teach you. And that seems mm-hmm. to be the best way right now. But you know, yeah. there's, he looks up at and, you and goes, how do you think I feel? Asshole. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way about guns and spankings that I think they're totally good or I think they're both totally reasonable things that people could and should do that have enough but it's a high responsibility and I don't think I'm capable of handling either I'll put it that way I yeah. love guns man I do I don't I'm not the guy and, and people that know me would validate that I'm not the guy that should have one really around my yeah. house you know, same with spanking. I think me and my wife, I don't think we have the ability to handle it well. You know what I mean? We're right. just, yeah. it, it's too crazy. And so we, we don't do it because I don't think we do it responsibly enough to handle that thing. But result yeah. is my kids are, you know, horrible. Yeah. So. Je- Jess and I tried spanking, but the kids walked in and it was weird. So the what? The kid, Toby and the Jess kids walked in and it got weird. Yeah, Toby and we Jess were spanking. doing spanking for a little while, but then the kids walked and just, in on them and it got. It, super the kids weird. walked in and it just felt it got real awkward and I felt bad. I didn't want them to see that, and so it just started. No, we actually we I'm I'm the kind of the same way. I'm not opposed to spanking, but for the most part, it doesn't seem uh, that valuable. There there are a few times where it kind of deserves it, and the kids are just you know really going up. But I mean, it's almost none, and we learned that really early on too, especially with Ike. Like a spanking didn't even really mean anything unless I was gonna like. Unless I took it to another level, which I wasn't comfortable doing, I'm not going to hurt my kid. Like, he's just strong and strong willed and all that stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to spank because I'm not going to spank. I, I want to do a spanking. I'm not going to do a beating or something like that. But anyway, so uh, what? I didn't understand Lift. what you were saying, Matt. Oh, I see. Matt was giving us the the sign, Joey. That is, it's time I was trying to, to air spell out the word lift, but nobody's <laughs> taking my clue. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> gotcha. You are terrible at spelling. You know, know that. It's one of your worst weaknesses. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I tell you what I want. to I thought talk you were doing about. hand mo- movements of how to spank. Yeah, I thought right. that's. How <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, the best ride sharing company out there that believes in treating their people better, better than any other businesses, especially that bigger one out there, is Lyft. That's L Y F T. I've used it before. It's the only app that I use for this sort of transportation. It's super user-friendly. I actually even love watching the digital graphic of the car getting closer and closer. Just so many functions, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just awesome. So here's something that Lyft is, is doing a little bit differently is they're putting a lot of emphasis on the, the driver side. So um, 
but before I get to that, let me tell you some things that Lyft offers. They have in-app tipping. So when you drive for Lyft, you keep 100% of the tips. So drivers, that's awesome. And listen to this. They have been paid over $150 million in tips since the feature was introduced. Uh, you got express pay. Let's drivers get paid almost instantly instead of waiting for weeks. Lyft has even taken the guesswork out of pickups. The new AMP device uses color coding to help passengers find their drivers. You can earn hundreds of dollars a week plus tips. So if you want to make more money, you can drive more. If money is not that big of an issue, you just need to make a little $20 here and there, then you can just go out when you want to. It really is one of those jobs you work when you want to. You learn the system. You learn what's best for you and your family if you have a family. So Lyft, here's what they have decided to run with. It's a simple formula. Happy drivers mean happy passengers. And maybe that's why 9 out of the 10, 10 uh, Lyft drivers or Lyft rides get a perfect five-star rating. So listeners, join the ride-sharing company that believes in treating its people better. You can go to lyft.com slash badchristian today and you can get a $500 new driver bonus. So that's lyft.com slash badchristian. This is limited time only and terms apply. So go to lyft.com slash badchristian. Right on. Okay, so we're going to have Jordan, excuse me, we're going to have Jordan Harbinger from Art of Charm on here shortly. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about this Southern Baptist Convention thing. I don't know if you guys have been following it or not, but I just started seeing a bunch of tweets about it. And it's, I can only put it this way, it's been interesting because it seems like there's some rumblings of some interesting things there happening that I want to say is commendable by the Southern Baptist Convention, which is not something well, I well, would well. expect to see. But I saw, I believe I saw Ed Stetzer posting about it. There, apparently, uh, there's been a big cry for the Southern Baptist Convention to condemn the alt-right movement, which is interesting because you can only imagine that there's a bunch of people in the Southern, ba- the Southern Baptist that are probably also either identify or could be identified as alt-right, at least in some of the stuff that they believe and support and probably their behavior. Because that's one of the, I think, trademarks of the alt-right is yeah, it's a lot of people who seem to not even cop to it, but in private or on YouTube comments or whenever they can get away with it, they do some pretty awful stuff, comment hatefully, do some really evil things. But that maybe comes, I mean, that's 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 something that Baptists have always dealt with. You know, the, the, the joke about right. what's the difference in a Presbyterian and a Baptist in the liquor stores, Presbyterian will say, hey to you. You know, we know that in, in general, we see religious people and Baptists have been people that do their bad stuff in secret, I guess, is at least the old joke. But yeah. interesting here that they would consider that and do it. I wondered if y'all had seen anything about it or if I could tell you more about it. Yeah, Tell me I, more I, about I, it. I don't keep yeah. up with Christian news anymore. Okay, so do you know what the alt? Well, good. Do you know what the alt right is? Do you have you got a good grip uh, on it's that? The, it's the alternative right. Yeah. So it's like Green Day and Nirvana for Republicans, then. I think so. <laughs> is that <laughs> Pretty, yeah? Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm saying, do I mean? What, do you guys have any kind of working definition for what you? If I say alt right, what does that mean to y'all? Anyway, uh, I, I guess. It's kind of across the board for me because I would say a lot of it is about the conservative ideals going back to super, very conservative, uh, fiscally and, and stuff like that. And and I think it probably also implies socially as well. And then it also falls under the category a lot of, for a lot of people of racist, racism mm-hmm. and uh, nationalism. 
and white, white nationalism, nationalism yeah, and stuff big, like that. That's as a well. big keyword. So, so to me, it kind of is a very broad term right now that I don't know exactly what the real thing is. Yeah, that's the. Like, I, that's I think the there's probably some, about it. I think there's some really scary people that are alt right and some people that probably I might would agree with on some things, but I don't know what that actually lies, where it lies. You know what I mean? Like I, of mm-hmm. course, denounce racism and hatred to other races, to races. And, yeah. s- and stuff like that, but I, I'm not sure. You might, I don't know if you have a it better seems working definition like the, of it. Uh, all you could say is you could talk about the most prominent figures in the alt-right, which you'd say is Richard Spencer, the kind of neo-Nazi guy's one of them. Right. You could say Milo was one, although he seemed to just be kind of cashing in on the whole thing more right. than genuinely believing anything. And then, uh, yeah. you know, people, I guess Steve Bannon and the, the Breitbart crowd and stuff like that seem to be kind of where it is. But they seem to be way supercharged i'll tell you what I, here's how i would identify them they're the people that that like to use the word cuck you know you know that phrase you hear yes. that thrown around a lot so when you're yep. when it's, and they and they also seem to be identified mostly by their behavior and commenting and being extremely trolly and mean i was looking through a bunch of tweets of people that i respect um and, and a lot of really sharp women are on these people's case and, and like to have been exposing kind of the stuff that they're saying and doing but they they leave the comments about how we're going to rape you or if you if, if like a woman right. is prominent or does something they they leave comments about trying to rape them or they're going to they're threatened and you know there's a lot of really racially charged stuff in there too and so their comments can be super aggressive but they love to call they love to threaten stuff like that to women and then men they all they call them cucks all the time Uh, okay i want to clarify too yeah i just looked it up on wikipedia i'm definitely against all right i I didn't realize like uh, the wikipedia says is a loose group of people with far-right ideologies who reject mainstream conservatism in favor of white nationalism, mm-hmm. principally in the United States. And yeah, Richard Spencer appropriated the term in 2010 to define the movement centered on white nationalism. So yeah, I'm totally not yeah. with that. I thought I was thinking it was more just about conservative values. Well, they it can ha- they not. have some, it, but they have some values yeah, no, that you yes, may but, but, that you may but, but agree idea, with or something. But you know, right? It, yes, but what I'm saying is it's under the th- that is a little bit of a guise also to uh, make white power. Yeah, be- become more effective. So I don't know I'm if people ex- ex- like. understand the term "cook." I'll explain right. it as uh, as I saw it uh, recently here. Here's the thing about "cook." It's it's a "cook" technically means a the husband of an adulterous wife or or something like that. I think officially, um, but it's usually more of a reference to pornography. So in in a lot of porn, they they have cuckold porn, and it's it's often um, a white woman whose husband is being humiliated because she's be having sex with a black man that that's the tip that's the most kind of thing that's going on there you have you know a man being humiliated and just being a total wuss and then you know and, it's and a disgusting it, thing or or he, or he, or he either right? likes it or is humiliated either like way it, but, but yeah sometimes it's he humiliation even likes porn it. Yeah. Is that, yeah and so so it's a way to yeah. just demean somebody unbelievable and it's super racially charged so when people are throwing right. on that word that should identify i mean that's it's a pretty awful way to to talk and you know what i mean like that that's a kind of a tip off if people are throwing around that language so what i think's interesting is the Southern Baptist Convention had a hard time and almost didn't even bring it to vote whether or not to condemn this, which I thought was crazy. So at one point a couple of days ago, they decided not to even go there because they didn't want to 
you know, deal with it and said, oh, same as you started out this conversation. It's like, well, maybe it's a bunch of different people. We just leave it alone right. or we don't want to. I'm sure a lot of our people probably support it. So it probably hurt us if we denounced it. But clearly it's worth denouncing. And, and so then a bunch of uh, prominent Southern Baptist, Russell Moore and some people that I really respect said, no, we got to do that. We got to deal with this kind of thing. And then they went back and voted and then officially denounced it. And I don't know if that's an empty thing to do or just something that done political pressure wise yeah. or whatever, but they did, which I think is really cool. Yeah, the original, uh, this is from NPR, but the original resolution was brought by Dwight McKissick, an African-American mm -hmm. pastor in Texas, and he brought it up, but the re resolution to go against that too, uh, go to condemn the uh, alt-right didn't originally get approved right. by the committee, but... Uh, others did like they they did condemn gambling they did condemn planned parenthood yeah. and they did all you know they did several other ones they condemned but they didn't condemn the alt right at first because so there was a big maybe a little threat to their numbers because you know a lot of those people are there are real close right. or it's going to hurt them like what you know if you, I don't know it's it's a weird right. thing but here's the thing about Southern Baptist Convention is they have to really deal with this stuff uh, I don't know if you know this or not but I saw this it came up when people are talking about their history and what they do and what you should denounce and not but. It's a sensitive issue with the Southern Baptist Convention. They the the, the denomination itself was founded in 1845 when it split yeah. from other Baptists. You know what they split over? Slavery. Slavery. Exactly. The denomination um, split to become the Southern Baptist Convention to be pro-slavery in 1845 to split from the regular Baptists that were opposed. And so there, wow. the whole. The whole thing is, you know, you could, you could, it could, the argument could be made the Southern Convention, Southern Baptist Convention is an institution founded on pure racism in, in itself. So they have a lot of work to do to be right. legit now. And of course, I mean, I believe that people can do that. Now, here's the thing they didn't formally rebuke their own past until, you know, what year? When? 1995. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. So wow. that, at We're that laughing, point, but that's which, sad, which is man. weird because I know that's not in individual. That's as the convention itself. So, I mean, certainly that's not saying that the people who are Southern Baptist support, you know, individually thought that, but they voted to repent and apologize publicly in 1995 um, kind of thing. And they didn't, you know, so. Uh, and of course, there's tons of black people in the Southern Baptist Convention as well. But quite an interesting topic that they, because I, I was kind of afraid or felt like when Trump won and all that stuff that he just took down evangelicalism entirely. I mean, in fact, I'm pretty sure it has like knocked him down extremely. Like now they're like, okay, well, we're not going to stand up for moral stuff anymore. We're just trying to get what we want, kind of thing. So it's almost like you've seen a lot of religious people embrace some really nasty stuff just in the name of gaining power so they can, you know, whatever it is that they really care about. But interesting move because I think there's some really credible people in the Southern Baptist Convention that are at least fighting to, you know, to do what seems like simply the right thing versus yeah. be political, which I, I applaud is all. I, I think for me, one of the things is I, I'm realizing more and more that it, all the things wrapped up within race and how delicate it is, but we have to make some serious strides and movement here because it is little things like this where you go, oh, that's where the real racism is. Like I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that think KKK people are fools and all, all that stuff. You know, all, all that big, flashy racism mm -hmm. stuff feels really weak to me. But this is one where it really does, where people are trying to share their lives together and grow closer to Christ and to God together. But underneath is, wait a minute, we don't want to totally go all the way here because yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I kind of, you know, like that idea of maybe I, some people in that, 
that were voting go, well, maybe I kind of agree with the alt-right. Yeah. Or something like that. That, that is a real racism and a, and a real thing that we must address. Those, those little things are what keep people apart and keep people separated and harbor anger and hurt and keep people down. The, the, those are the things that I'm really seeing. Like, I, more than, like, I, I'm not proud to be a white man. I just am a white man. What I want to be proud of is that I'm a good man or, I, or that I make tough decisions or that when I'm wrong, I say I'm sorry. And or I just at least that you're a man like that. and not a woman. How about that? We can celebrate that at least. Praise the Lord for that. I don't know if I can. I don't know. Maybe being a woman's better. No, I do totally think. I, besides, I 100% think that men and women are different. No problem there. And I happen to yeah. think women are better suited for the current time and future. So I believe that women are better than men. Now, yeah. so it maybe makes me sexist because I believe that sexes are different. I just think women are the more valuable sex going forward is all. Yeah, the only bad thing about women is men. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, I feel like we've served our purpose evolutionarily, right. and we're, you know, we're, we're coming into the age where you know we've we're part of the foundations and the building blocks, and we did a right. bunch of the real dirty work to get society to where it is. But now, the the more it, now that it's built and safe and more established from the the from us being warriors and doing physical yeah. shit all the time, and we put build put a lot of stones on top of each other and built bricks and bridges with our muscles now the women can run the thing and it's going to go a lot better that's <laughs> what i'm hoping I, going back to racism though it really is it just seems so clear to me that like like slavery and racism is exactly has to line up with the exact opposite of christ like the fact that you could that somebody could think a, a person of different color skin is lesser human that they wouldn't be have the identity of Christ, or that they wouldn't be a, a, an image bearer like Christians Hard want to, imagine, to say, yeah. or stuff like, or that you could own somebody else and it be okay, like that. How that just seems like it stands against everything that Jesus was about. That everybody's welcome. That everybody has a shot. That you know we, we should love each other as ourselves. Like it, that whole thing just really shocks me, and so much so that that that's why the whole issue just bothers me because it's so inherent in our life that it even affects like comedy. And you have to be careful the way you say things. Like, I, w I would love to treat everybody the same comedically, but because it's such a mm -hmm. issue and such a, a tough thing that you, that you can't, you have to be aware of that. Yep. You have to be aware of all those things. Like, we, yep. we just, you know, I mean, you really do. I so, imagine back I, in the I'm, day when they were debating slavery or not, they were using the same arguments though, that they would today. I imagine it would have gone something like, well, it's a slippery slope. You start giving rights to the black people, and then it'll be horses after that and dogs after, you know. it'd be some, Or yeah. it, they'd invoke the children. Well, we, that's fine, but I just don't want them around my children. You know, stuff like that is dehumanizing. And it, it would be the same old arguments they probably still make today about. I, actually, I wonder how, how much it would parallel the arguments people make against gay people and if it'll be seen, if it really is a similar thing. And I'm not sure. Not sure. Well, anyway, I mean, he, he, interesting just, times just, we live in. I'm, I'm excited to watch things unfold. Yeah, just just to give people uh, to uh, uh, guess like a snapshot of how these remnants have been here in the South. Uh, uh, I mean, they still are, but even as a child, there was um, there is an uncle that I had, and um, his brother, so another uncle, had, uh, had a best friend. It was a black guy, and so he would come around the family. Everybody loved him. I mean, everybody loved this guy, super kind, and just he was part of the family. But when this black guy actually uh, roughhoused with my little cousin, who was just a little kid, you roughhouse with kids, you play with them and everything, her dad was very bothered, very angry. And when they finally asked, hey, 
what are you so angry about? He said, well, I don't want my daughter growing up to think that it would be okay to marry a black man. I mean, so this is literally 25 years ago, and that's the same sort of stuff that my parents' generation has have been trying to figure out. Like, I think to the three of us, that, that seems primitive, archaic, but it's it's not that old. No, it's I not mean, old it's still at all. Going it's crazy. And, and I'll say this, too. I mean, uh, racism and slavery is really wrapped up in a lot of religions. I mean, it, it gets... It, it it's all over. The place. I mean, it's in Mormonism. It was in Mormonism. Like you know, definitely, uh, they they taught that blacks couldn't be uh, priests, couldn't be they weren't permitted to participate. I think in several of the things, uh, temple ordinances or whatever. So it, it's not just like just Baptist people. Oh no, or of course not. Just whatever. Like in all all, it seems like across the board there is a bit of that where it takes away from the power of God. Uh, it's, it, nothing can take away from the power of God, but it takes away from, uh, it adds to the hypocrisy of what we're trying to say. Like you yeah. can't say, like the, the biggest thing that I can't believe is how many Christians go, man, I was in bondage. I was in slavery to sin. Oh, but I'm okay with racism? Yeah. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like you, oh, yeah, so back bizarre. when they did have racism, when they did have slavery as an institution, were Christians still throwing around the language of, I'm in bondage, I'm in slavery to the sin? Like, like it was yeah, obviously yeah. the like worst thing in the world. how bad it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. They could say this, slavery to sin yeah. and bondage to sin is the worst thing in the whole world. But, you know, maybe real race, you know, real slavery, eh, it wasn't that yeah. bad. Was I mean, that's so stupid. That's I mean, and, how, can and, you, how can you use those analogies and those words and then yeah. be okay with it? Which well, I'm thinking this is, even though it's a really slow step, they did change and they did decide to condemn it and uh, they they're probably gonna get some pushback and lose some money and all that stuff but they're doing the right thing for the lord and it is slow but i will at least uh say i'm glad they took this step yeah i think I'm, it could have been easier it. and faster but at least southern baptist went okay we got to do this some we, people are already we're, claiming we're, it's an empty thing to to just do and doesn't mean anything it's probably not right anything probably but right. nonetheless i'm gonna give them the credit for this one so anyway let's uh let's take a quick break and bring jordan on all right all right, I want to tell you folks about Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleek design, and is delivered in a small, how-did-they-do-that size box. And that's true. It's amazing when it's delivered to your house, and it's just this crazy little box where you're like, my mattress? Oh, my God. It's amazing that they can do this. It's just brilliant. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. I get messages all the time, Facebook messages. Hey, uh, I'm, I got a Casper mattress, too. I, I heard their pillows are amazing. Can I get a pillow, too? And it's I, always getting Facebook messages from that. The, ma- the mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups, and Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly on to the consumer. Let me tell you about the quality. Too. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines supportive memory foam and a springy comfort layer for a sleep service that just that got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design keeps you cool all night, which is a huge one for me because I'm a hot, hairy man, and this mattress keeps you cold. Boy, I love it. Cool and comfortable. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night risk-free trial. Let me say again. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night risk-free trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you 
everything. So here's what I want to tell you a little bit more. Casper makes a premium mattress and sells it online for a fraction of what it would cost in, in a store. Their businesses, their business works by continuously developing their mattress using feedback of nearly half a million customers. Real customers have said the mattress is like sleeping on brioche. Would you say that, Joey, sleeping on brioche, just how comfortable it is? Is it? it that, that almost doesn't do it justice. It's even better. I agree better. with you. It's even better. And it's like being cradled by the tinkling of baby laughter in moonlight. I love that one. <laughs> Buying the Casper is easy. Order online. It's delivered to your door in a compact box. Free shipping and free returns. It's available in the U.S. and Canada and now in the U.K. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. That's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. And I just want to tell you a couple more things here. Named one Casper named one of the fast company's most innovative brands of 2017. And the New York Times said Casper is changing the way people shop for mattresses. So get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash BCPOD. Use that right there. And terms and conditions apply. But get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash bcpod and use the code bcpod at checkout. It's going to be awesome. All right. All right. On June 23rd, Victory Records band Conveyor will be releasing a brand new album titled No Future. As an exclusive sneak peek, we're going to play you this clip right here that you're hearing of the album's title track. So if you like what you hear, you'll be able to check out the music video for this track tomorrow at facebook.com slash conveyor. So I'm going to play a little bit, let the song roll here, and we'll listen to, to it for, for a few seconds. Here. Let us say a prayer for those who walk the earth when we're no longer here. Destroy. That's the title track off Conveyor's new record, No Future, which will be out on June 23rd, coming up soon on Victory Records. So head over to smarturl.it slash conveyor to pre-order the new album today. And be sure to keep up with their tour schedule and check out the brand new music video tomorrow at facebook.com slash conveyor. Jordan, how's it going, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good. How, can you see us and hear us okay? Uh, yeah, I can see. I can hear. See all of you. I can hear at least one of you. Well, I'm the only one talking, but I'm sure if you got check, me, you check, got the check. rest of them. There you go. Hey, 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 right. hey, hey. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Thank you for joining us. We'll just roll right in here. Nothing. No hard okay, start or anything like that. So great. And it's an hour. Uh, we'll, we can do about 45 minutes if we, you know, something like. We don't have to do an hour. Works we don't for usually me. for this. It kind of goes in the middle of our show. Um, okay. So. Uh-huh. You got a nice little setup is, there. 
Yeah, yeah, it should be good. Is this live streamed or whatever? No, I know there was sometimes some, uh, we do, but we're not doing it live right now. We're out of order. Gotcha. We're out of sorts okay. a little bit today, so we're under no a problem. little bit of construction, and we're doing the show a little bit out of order. But often we do it live. Okay. Cool. Y'all ready to get right in it? Jordan, can you record yeah. yourself and send us your end? Is that easy for you to do? Uh, I can. I should be doing that right now. Okay. Yeah. If you've got that, that's excellent. It makes the, it'll make our quality better on our end when we sync okay. up. Yeah, I got call recorder going. Sweet. Sounds good. So, Jordan, you do a lot of your interviews over Skype a lot, or you try to get people in the studio there? Um, I definitely try to get people in in person. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely the way to do it if possible. Yeah, absolutely. You're in, are you in San Francisco or what? Is that uh, right? San Jose, California. In San Jose. So you can get people yeah. there a lot. Do you go down to L.A. a lot and do stuff? I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. L.A. and New York and up to the city in San Francisco, yeah. That's great. All the time. That's great. And you, you said you said what what did you have to do to get Shaq? He was basically flying in just for he was in town just for a second or what? How, how yeah, he was in town for TNT interviews uh, or not interviews. You know how he does the sports casting on TNT? Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple games and they were like two days apart, so he was staying. And he's like, yeah, he'll be here, you know, in L.A. for these two games. He's going to stay in the city, so he's going to come by. And I was like, great. I booked a flight. I think the day before, or two days before, or something like that. Did you actually like? Was it jaw dropping when you actually when you saw him in person? Like, is his size in person? Yeah, he's just... definitely a big dude. I mean, <laughs> it's you know that goes without saying. <laughs> hey, it's it's uh, I've I've been listening to Art of Charm for a while now, and great. I thought it was so timely. Your um, I don't know if you identified them as trolls or just people that talk stupid shit online, but you basically said treat them like toddlers. And I thought that yeah. was so handy because like just, just things along the lines of you're not really going to engage in what the toddler just said. Like if the toddler's arguing about something, you're thinking, oh, they're, they're not necessarily thinking on on my level so what's the point and really dialogue with them you may just ignore them all together but that i just thought that was so good you do a lot of those little mini deals on art of charm that yeah you claim that it's something that people can just take it and run with it and you are right my friend yeah Super yeah stuff Minnesota Monday, especially the toddler thing was timely because I'll tell you what, and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole if you don't want to, but no, there, there's all the, you're familiar with the term alt-right, right? Is mm -hmm. that something that's like yeah, kind yeah. of, we were just your, talking, talking about, about that, that today. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So mm -hmm. for some reason, this group, these groups of alt-right guys or whatever are, they they love they love hate art of charm right they're like oh it's cool that it exists but also you know i i literally get comments like this all the time like jordan's okay but he's a cuck you heard that term before <laughs> yeah that's their term for and sure it, and i'm just like okay i guess so i mean it's it's just such a stupid thing to say because it doesn't mean anything they've over these guys who who really a lot of them are just like you know, uh, dissatisfied virgins or like, you know, guys that are right. really have neck beards and, and like the personalities to match. 
they overuse this word because they're like, that's the worst thing I can think of. And it's like, okay, whatever. Uh, it, they use this word a lot and it's lost all meaning other than he doesn't agree with our weird sort of political beliefs. So, you know, but, but they like the fact that there's somebody out there helping. Well, it, it, the, in the old days, men with dating stuff. Now, of course, everybody with all kinds of nonverbal communication and, and soft skills. And that's, I think, why they've decided that I'm a cuck, right? Because I went from like, here's how you meet and attract women to like, actually, everyone can use this, including women. And they're like, oh, so you, so you, you can't. softened is what they see then. Right. They see that and they're like, you're pandering to a female demographic. And I'm like, wow. Well, no, not really. I just sort of grew up and got married. <laughs> and also, you know, pandering to a female demographic to them is talking to women at all instead of just yelling about women. Yeah, they, they've got a weird thing going. That group's hard to identify. That's what we're discussing is how do you identify that group? Because, you know, I, how, how monolithic is that group? Basically, is this, it's not is monolithic it, at all. Of yeah, course, it's not monolithic it at all. And the other problem is, um, I'll get somebody who's like, "I love our charm, a huge fan, blah blah blah," and then they'll write in, "You should have this guy on the show," and they'll link me to like some philosopher they call him, but really it's like a guy who kind of rants and raves about so-called libertarian ideals. Mm -hmm. Although a lot of them are not really that libertarian, they're more kind of like. My ex-wife is a giant bitch, and also freedom and guns. And it's like, yeah. uh, you're not really a libertarian. You're just kind of like an angry guy <laughs> yes, who probably right. has a lot of food that's right. in cans in a basement that's not attached to your house. You know, yeah, that so you could live in in it's case. It's almost of like zombies. you got all these these people out there that are just that are just uh, they're, they're misfits to some degree, or they don't fit in, so they just find some group to uh, attach with, whether it be libertarian or alt right or something like that. But it's just. And then they, then those people, like you said, they wind up ruining the words or a certain movements and stuff like that. They, it, the, yeah. the worst people attach themselves to something and then run it into the ground. It happens all the time. It's in Christianity. It happens all right. Not that I'm saying that that yeah. group was ever well-intentioned or anything like that. Well, yeah, still, I, I think you, you, you may be right. And the other, the other thing that makes it tricky is I'll reply to something like that that comes in my inbox. Like, oh, I've heard of this guy. I'm surprised that you like this person and you also like Art of Charm, but okay. And then they'll say something like, well, yeah, you know, this actually meshes well with that. This meshes well with that. And I'm like, oh, well, is this guy, would you consider him alt-right? And the, the universal answer for asking somebody about alt-right, except for maybe Richard Spencer, the the guy who's mm. not a neo-Nazi, but says he guile or whatever in his speeches, but no, I'm not a Nazi, that guy. Um, they say, oh, I don't know what that means. So yeah. that's like, they love to play these word games where they're like the semantics or like the ontological, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't know, it's sort of homophobic because that would mean I'm afraid of gay people and I just think mm -hmm. that they're all gross and disgusting and going to hell, so I'm not homophobic. So don't call me that. And it's like, all right, you know, we can play these word games all day, but if you're being a jerk face online, then what should we call you? I guess we can't call you all right, so I guess we'll just call you a bunch of dicks. But then you're being ad hominem, right? So they there's like this slimy thing that a lot of these groups like to do. And I'm not just saying it's only alt right. You know, if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm alt right and I'm a nice guy, fine. But there's just a lot of these fringe groups now. Uh, that don't call themselves outright, that everybody else would mm -hmm. call outright, that sometimes call themselves outright, that decide they're not outright when they're talking with other people because they don't want to be mixed up with, like you said, these other groups because they don't get along. It's not homogenous. It's not the right wing 
uh, anti-Muslim people and also the anti-such and such and also the libertarians, they all kind of don't like each other, so they all hate the term, which is just sort of a funny mixture because they don't want to group themselves together, and yet they're all in the same forums and all in the same discussion boards and all watching the same people's YouTube videos. Yep. I think it's really interesting because we, we live in a time now where everybody gets a voice and, and not everybody should. And it's hard. This is one of my biggest weaknesses. I can see a hundred people say, oh man, love the podcast, love your music, love this. And then there's one person goes, oh man, this is boring as shit. And I go, ah, and I lose my mind and want to, and want, and I actually have to, it's really funny that we live in this day and age where there's somebody that I don't know in the world that doesn't like my music and they just, or, or our podcast or whatever. And they just said it. And it doesn't matter. Most of the world doesn't. You know, what I, mean? I mean, most right. of the world does not care about my podcast, does not know who I am. Not, but it's really <laughs> funny. I, my question is, do I do I like that? Do we kind of like that somebody engages with us and, and talks shit about us a little bit so you can push back or something? Like, it, why is it so prevalent and sticks out so strongly to me? I don't know what well, that it's is. It's easy to ignore a whole page of comments that are like supportive, like, thank you for your show. I really do- like it. Your new album's cool. Yeah, I just These go, guys yep, are great. Yep, like, yep, I, yep. I can look at a page long of those and just scan 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 and then one you know and i i believe this is true about entertainment in general so you might be on the right track toby that people i believe that i've been thinking about this for a little while i think people you could almost substitute the word stimulated for entertained so if you're talking about entertainment in a broad sense all you're really talking about is stimulated like if your brain regions light up it doesn't matter if it's for good or bad or for whatever reason. Now you're engaged, and that's really kind of what entertainment is, and that's why you can like a scary movie or something heavy intellectually or something sad or something that pisses you off on reality TV or somebody that says something awesome that you like. All those things are stimulating and therefore entertaining. So if you're – and I, that's what worries me about where we're at now is we look at the news that way. We look at everything – I think all all we're doing is we seem like just dumb animals running around trying to be stimulated, and so whatever works, we people flock to, you know, with and, almost and, no regard. And so that's and why Jordan, Toby keeps well, watching uh, Jordan, Stephen Furtick. Yeah, you're you're right. And Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, I was going to ask you. You think it's also because that sticks out, like uh, those alt writers or whatever? They, do they do stuff like that because they know maybe they could get a response from you if they just say, "Hey, man, love the show." Maybe you won't respond to them, but if they're not, yeah. assholes, maybe you get maybe you will it will hit a nerve. Yeah, I think there's partly that. I mean, our brains are wired to look for the negative because if you think about it, caveman style, evolutionary psychology, the theory, the prevailing theory is that if we're looking for supportive people around us, great, they're there. That's all we need to know is that they're there. Mm -hmm. But then we're looking for threats. Mm -hmm. And one threat in a group of 100 supportive people in a tribal situation or in a social situation 100,000 years ago, well, depending on what timeline you give humanity, let's not go into that, right? But you you will find that your brain is designed to find that. So yeah, the one-star iTunes review is the one where you're like, what the hell? And then you're like, oh, wait, I have 10,100 other reviews of people that love the show. This person probably didn't even listen. Because a lot of times if you read people's criticism, very rarely... One one in a hundred reviews is negative, if that, and then one in a hundred negative reviews is actually like, you know, I used to like this, but I don't anymore, and here's this well thought out reason. Usually, it's like, this is freaking stupid. This guy sucks. What an idiot. You know, it's never mm-hmm. like well thought out, well reasoned. And I always think like, if I could talk to this person in real life, they probably wouldn't go. They'd probably say something like this. 
well, it's not really one star. Well, you know, I got <laughs> yeah. my somebody dinged my car in the parking lot this morning, and I didn't really listen to the whole thing. I just heard the intro. Right. You're yeah, you're right. right. I shouldn't yeah, have written you, that. You review. know, and I, it's usually pretty cool. It's just that one episode was bad. Yeah, that's that's what <laughs> yeah. uh, Corolla says. He goes, if you want to if you want to bother me, one star review ain't gonna do it. Five star reviews don't mean anything. One star reviews, I assume you're an idiot or don't know what you're talking about. Leave me a three star review or two and a half and say usually whatever you do is great. But this just honestly isn't so good. That's that would that would sting, he says, because it's it's believable. Right, it's credible. Well, mm-hmm. It's credible. And yeah, you're right. I think a lot of the trolls online, and again, they're not just even saying all right, just trolls online in general, they know that posting something like, you know, really harsh and really awful and is going to try to get a rise out of somebody. And it works on a lot of smart people, like guys like uh, Sam Harris, whatever. Oh, I don't he's know what you guys such a Ryan. sucker yes. for that stuff. Uh, I can't oh, believe he's a super sucker he is. for he that. He just b- buys into it every time and discusses it for 30 minutes. <laughs> it's And so is Elon Musk. I'm like, hey, you know, you don't have to reply to someone who's like, your battery tech's never going to work. You're flashing the pan. And he's like, what? Let me spend 20 minutes of my day replying to this. <laughs> Meanwhile, someone's like, you've changed the entire planet. He's like, yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, jerk face. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. And it's just the way a lot of us are wired. And so the, the, the people who are doing that, really, it's kind of a pathetic thing if you think about it. Because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't spend any time tearing people down online to get their attention. That's literally oh, totally. what toddlers do. Yeah. And th- yeah. That's, that's how I... That's how I came up with that treating your haters like toddlers thing is because that that's what toddlers do. They don't get they're hungry and they're tired and they want french fries cuz they want to get a happy meal at McDonald's so they're like you're stupid. They haven't thought about your intellectual capacity. Yeah, they right. just want fries and yeah. ice cream or whatever. And it know? works to get attention. I mean, that's all you can do. If you're if you're a baby even or a toddler, all you're doing is doing anything you can do that could have any possible cause a reaction. Can you imagine that being a baby and trapped inside that body and you know you want stuff, but you don't know language, you don't know how to use your hands to get it, you can't crawl, you can't do anything. So all you could do is the most obnoxious thing you could think of, slaps scream cry you know and that that doesn't that doesn't ever end until you learn how to handle it all of being a kid is just training yourself to you know have restraint but i feel like we still act like kids now it just takes thir- about 30 years to learn how to you know the best method of not irritating people but it's the same th- same impulse we all have and then going ha- open up the online forum like it is it's almost regressed people back cuz certainly these people aren't necessarily stupid and like toddlers, they're only like toddlers in their behavior on this medium. It, that's exactly right. And so if you look at these these haters like toddlers, and you think, well, if you had better communication skills, mm-hmm. that's right. you would have brought this up in a different way. So I'm going to look at a real iTunes one-star review. Hold on a second. Let's actually deconstruct somebody. <laughs> somebody. Good. I'll right talk now. while you do while you find yeah. one. But yeah, the, it's, well, like, it's, it's funny. Y'all, it, I was gonna say it's funny y'all talking about this because it, it makes me think exactly like my son, who like yesterday goes, "I want a new family. I'm so done with this family." Right. <laughs> <laughs> because we didn't go to the pool, and I was uh, now as you say that maybe I should like even to him. What I should do is just write out a fake post back to him, and then he can't read it. But you know, I could call my you know child of asshole and a jerk and <laughs> he doesn't understand it. maybe i should start doing that to handle my you know when my kid acts like a, a toddler and a jerk maybe <laughs> you gotta start do doing something well you had you need to do something that hijacks his brain just do something completely unexpected that he could never imagine like you know what i mean when a, they're playing yeah. a game at that point they're trying to get you to engage or listen or pay attention right so you should like 
start screaming and running around outside and taking your clothes off and acting cra- crazy. That then yeah. it would then well, it, it would short well, circuit my, well, his methodology there. I, I said the same thing when I was a kid to my mom, and I said I'm I'm leaving, and I packed up a bag and walked to the door, and she says okay, and then I had to go down to the driveway, and I just stood there because I wasn't allowed to cross the street, but I didn't understand that I was running away. <laughs> And so if you just went with, maybe that's what you should do with haters. Just like go with it. Like you're exactly right. Whoa, I really am terrible. I should quit. I'm awful. I'm a horrible. Everything you said is true. Cause then they have no, like go, what's that? The Eminem route from eight mile. <laughs> you, you say all your bad stuff before your haters can. Yeah. That's, that's actually a funny concept looking at that like, like that. And I do that when I'm going into any kind of debate or when there, whenever there's anything controversial, you know, if, sometimes a host will say, look, I'll have you on the show, but my audience is really uh, conservative and, you know, so they might have some reservations about men and women learning how to be more socially interactive. They think, you know, everyone who listens is 50 years old or 60 plus and they're all, you know, conservative folks. And, and usually that's, frankly, I think that's the host not doing their homework and assuming Art of Charm uh, is a certain set of things based on him looking at the title of the show and never yeah. actually doing any research. Right. But you can't tell that to a host. So I, I usually will go on the show and say, yeah, you know, thanks for having me on, despite uh, a title that might scare away a lot of people. you know. But I know that your listeners are smart enough not to judge a book right. by the cover. And then people are like, right. oh, um, shoot, I was doing that, <laughs> but I don't want to be a dumbass. So I guess I should actually Google this and maybe look at some stuff before I decide I hate this person. And then usually you get the fan mail that's like, I'm so yes. glad that other people aren't judging a book by the cover. And I'm like, yeah, I know you were doing that until I said not to. So you can sort of program people to do yeah. that. So so I found a one-star review uh, from last year, uh, this month, actually. It, that's one of the most recent ones. A lot of the other ones are just like, um, you know, stupid. That's like, So that, that one obviously is very toddler and right on the nose. So I'll skip that one. Um, this one wrote... Guys, don't listen to these douches. Just be yourself and stay busy and everything will work out. Their advice is pointless and so are they. (laughs) Clearly, this person has never listened to the show because for some reason, I find it hard to believe that General Stanley McChrystal, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Sam Harris, and some of the other recent guests of The Art of Charm have stupid, pointless advice. Uh, They wouldn't be in business for very long, right? right. And apparently all they need is his review. Is actually he wants to funnel traffic to that review to tell people what did he tell people what was his advice? He couldn't resist giving advice himself is what I like about his review. Oh, oh this yeah, guy, yeah. yeah. Oh, just be yourself and stay busy there you go. because right. you don't need as you know. Neil deGrasse Tyson has to say, be yourself and stay busy. Yeah. What else do you need? Of course. <laughs> I mean, go. look, as you know, if you're not satisfied with your job or your relationships or you've just moved to a new town and you need to make connections, mm-hmm. just be yourself and stay busy, bro. That's always worked out for everyone. It's not like people ever stay lonely if they're just busy, right? Whatever. (laughs) I mean, that's such a dumb thing. So when I look at people who are doing things like this, I really think if this person had better communication habits and another one of my favorite recent crappy one star reviews, if you need to take advice from some self-proclaimed charm experts, then I'm pretty sure you're not and will never be a winner. (laughs) Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think, though, people who take advice and look at coaching and try to get better actually work their way up to being winners. I don't think people are born that way. Right. Super, yeah. coaching super has sure a lot it's not somebody who. A lot of times. Of course. <laughs> and I, I would say that, you know, look, again, looking at people who are on the show, actual, like, objective, ob- objective winners, like uh, Heinz Ward, the Super Bowl MVP twice over, who was on the show and talked about the value of coaching and things like that. He's not on iTunes writing reviews titled, Winners Are Not Losers. 
so it's really it's it's kind of funny to see this because it's very clear that the communication habits of the people that write these are not even really advanced enough to to have listened to an episode of the show. You don't really see a lot of one star reviews where people write, "Hey, look, I listened to this and I didn't like it, and here's the reason why." Um, the ones that do write things like that often have to do with politics. I disagreed with the political persuasion of the person down i had scott adams on the show the creator of dilbert yeah, and he's, a trump, he's a trump trump he's a trump fan mm-hmm. and you know somebody wrote in like i can't believe the host just sat there and let this person express this perspective and it's like well his perspective is more nuanced though i don't think people understand that but he's obviously he wasn't he didn't come out straight in favor of trump or anything he was just analyzing the persuasion of Trump and how he works and saying that his tactics are going to, he predicted the Trump victory way before anybody else and said, I recognize the persuasive tactics he's using his language and communication. And then as time went on, he got closer and closer to supporting him, but he doesn't even really explicitly say he loves Trump or is a supporter of him in that, in that way. He just kind of thinks he's interesting and, and studies him basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, but I think, I, either way, I think he he may look, be quite a Trump fan now. It's, mm-hmm. it, just judging by the it's things that he's writing about, now, yeah. it's making his career now. But I uh, not that it wasn't already made before. But I think there's something to be said for like, look, it, on a talk show platform, people who have opinions that are not yours are going to be presented. If you just want to hear people who agree with you, you probably don't really want to listen to a show like The Art of Charm. The show is designed to challenge your beliefs and teach you new things. If you're just interested in hearing people who agree with you, you need to seek out political shows that are from left-leaning or right-leaning politicians and and pundits Mm -hmm. and only listen to those. If you just want people to agree with your perspective – and you're leaning towards the right a little bit, turn on Fox News. If you just want people to agree with you and agree with your perspective and you're on the left, you can look at a lot of other media, especially things like MSNBC and things like that. Watch Rachel Maddow. She's going to agree with most of the things that you have to say. Same with you know yeah. Bill Maher, for example, um, even though he tries to be a little more balanced. But the, the point is you don't grow that much if that's all you're getting. So when I see reviews like, this person, the host just let Scott Adams sit there and talk about Trump's intellectual progress. Well, sorry that you got triggered by someone on the show, but maybe you should use that to learn why you feel emotional in a certain way about this. Mm-hmm. If you really think that somebody sharing a message is going to be unhealthy for you or for other people, yeah. then you're entitled to that perspective. But I don't think that's the fault of the media platform for presenting that. Is there, some, really is there somebody, uh, who is it that you wouldn't allow platform to be on your show? Where would you draw, do you draw that line anywhere? Or you'd have any idea, um, any pe- point of view yeah, on Yeah, pe- people who are disingenuous, I'm not interested in having on the platform. So there are some people, and I'm not even going to name their names because I really don't even, they, a lot of the people who are disingenuous on purpose they do th- they do a lot of things like oh i'm going to put your wife's personal information online because you you hurt my feelings those are the people that i don't want anything to do with and there's a lot of people who claim to be journalists and especially again in the alt right but oh i don't know what that means there's a lot of people who claim to be journalists and they're writing things like i'm the only person telling the truth right now or they they do these really skewed and sort of quite frankly, interesting uh, perspectives that are entirely manufactured to get a rise yeah. out of people and then also to get other people behind them 
in another way. So, in fact, I'm going to search for one. And again, I'm not going to uh, say who this person is because, again, they both thrive on controversy and they want to manufacture enemies so that there's like a beef online which generates traffic. So all of the person, this blog post here, are all about... The, the last seven blog posts are coverage of him being on other news media, which is like, <laughs> how are you going to write seven blog posts like it's news, but the, the, all the news is about you being on other news media. And then it's like, um, oh, my article's on these other blogs, my appearance on this. And it's a lot of things like, Twitter banned me. Um, and, and they did it secretly and it's like, well, I don't know, maybe you're just not that popular anymore. I doubt they're throttling you. You're giving them a lot of credit, but it's this thing where it's like, Hmm, I can't really lose face by saying I'm not as popular anymore. And people are seeing my YouTube views or my Twitter views go down. So what I'm going to do is make up a story about how I'm secretly being oppressed by the platform. Then that becomes news, but then that seems like fake news. So my next article is going to be why fake news is bad and how I'm winning the war against fake news. And it's like, I don't want people on the platform like that because they don't have a real message. They're just generating controversy so that they can become more famous. And it becomes a total, it's just ego service. Mm -hmm. And so they're not actually trying to teach anyone anything. They're just doing whatever they can in order to get more attention. And what that's one reason why I feel like a lot of the alt-right is a bunch of bullshit. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on your show. You Hopefully yeah, I am. No <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit because a lot of the people in that area of the platform, they are not even at all interested in the political perspectives being offered by that platform. They really just want attention. They don't mm-hmm. give a crap how they're going to get it. If the ultra-left was more controversial and had more room for them to create a personal brand – they would jump over there in a second. Yeah. It's just that the alt-right is unpopular enough where if you're willing to sacrifice all of your credibility in every other area of your life, you can make a name for yourself as like a face, a voice yeah. in the alt-right area, and people will look up to you, and they'll click on your blog, and they'll share your stuff, and that's what matters to these people. So it's all rooted, and again, not everybody on the right. I just want to be super clear. But a lot of this, for especially the alt-right guys, it's rooted in their insecurity. When you hear about guys like Richard Spencer being crappy students and having no friends when they were younger, and now they've got some sort of white race identity come on man you're just a dipshit that had no friends and now you found a way to be popular don't front like you give a crap about white racial identity get out of here take your haircut with you you're not that special but you're trying for it and really when you look at it that way it's just fucking sad man you don't even think he's as racist as he pretends to be is what you're suggesting no i don't think he is at all i think (laughs) and look I, and I'm not saying it's okay because he's not really racist. Right. I think he probably is racist, but I think he generated those beliefs because it would get him attention right. from people. I think if you could get inside his head, you'd see a sad little kid. I don't think you'd see a virulent racist. Mm-hmm. And he even hints at that. Oh, the neo-Nazis, those guys, they all hate me. And then you saw that video where he gets punched, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He literally is about to cry after that. And I understand that. I, I mean, you know, he got assaulted. Um, by somebody while he was on an interview. But the reason that hurt more than just getting punched in the head was he looked like such a punk, and it probably flooded all those feelings of him being bullied as a kid right back. Mm -hmm. And you see in his face, and I'm not pretending to read minds here, but you see in his face just the disappointment with which he is dealing with when he gets punched. He's not angry or even be when they get punched he's just freaking sad 
about it. Yeah. You know something. It's, it's interesting. I was going to say it's interesting bouncing off that. You're right. If you everybody somewhat kind of craves a little bit of power, a little bit of recognition and fame. And you're right. When somebody doesn't have it and they can't get it based on their own merits, then they in, almost like they invent an enemy. Mm-hmm. So then they can become the superhero of their world. Like there's this enemy and everybody's out to get me. And then I, people probably really resonate with that because there's a bunch of people that were bullied in school or a bunch of people that don't have power and feel left out and, you know, uh, out of a society and can't fit in. And so then they, they just invent this enemy mm-hmm. that goes, oh, yeah, well, you know what? It's because of this group of people or this person or this thought thought that is keeping me down join with me and we can rise up against it together but you're right all it is really about is trying to be recognized and trying to feel better and get mm-hmm. more confidence in yourself rather than they really are there really isn't an enemy the enemy is still just them it's kind of like what you're saying about richard spencer well that's the what christianity is loaded with isn't it toby i mean oh, that, yeah. if you overdo the satan thing in hell that's what that is the ultimate example of that is overplaying right. that thing for you to gain power you know subtly you gain power because you're opposing uh Satan, you know, like right. you, you can yeah. now you have a really powerful way to manipulate other people and, and, and gain power. Although it seems like you're the hero, the subtle guy, the way out of hell and that kind of thing. And that's pretty intoxicating. I think a lot of people fall for that, both jo- seeking the power and following the person seeking power. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, it's I love your comment about being a superhero in your own world. That I could not have said that better myself. I may have to steal that. It's so obvious when somebody goes, "Look, all these people are my enemy now," and it's like, "Well, yeah." You know, there's posts out there that are from some of these alt-right-ish figures yeah. that are like, you know, when I was younger, I was bullied, and now I kick everyone's ass who screws with me. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, you you might want to not. Uh, Right. publicize that because you really sound like an 11 year old who got a pair of boxing gloves and whose dad taught him the one two combo and now you're going to go out and beat everybody up who hurt right. your feelings like that's not a mature developed way to deal with human interaction in the modern world and i know i probably sound like kind of a, a, a dork saying a lot of this but f- look guys if you got bullied when you were younger the answer to that problem and i can't believe i'm telling this to full grown-ass men is not to figure out how to hurt everyone else by screwing up society, becoming a tough guy, getting attention so you can show people you've made something of yourself. Just be a normal human being. (laughs) That's how you win the situation. Not by massively overcompensating, like you said, trying to become a superhero in your own little world by creating a separate world in which you are the winner. That's pathetic to everybody. I know you can't see the label because you're inside the jar, but man, I can't help but think a lot of these guys are going to look back at what they did five, ten years ago and be like, oh, God, I have to change my name now. What the hell was I doing? Because eventually (laughs) they're going to get therapy or they're going to lose yet another relationship and they're finally going to have to take that look in the mirror. Or they're going to become Alex Jones, uh, who, frankly, I'm I'm on the fence about that guy. I think he probably knows he's full of shit and just Mm. is laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree he, with you on that he, one, for sure. There's the people that can separate their character and then that become their character a little bit, like Andrew Dice Clay or Alex Jones or... I mean, there's a lot of people that fall into the character that they're playing and they blur the lines, but I still think they understand that it was concocted in a way or they understand the the art of pl- playing a character or being, you know, just doing an act, so to speak, even though I'm sure it's very close to the way they really think. And then there's the people that have sacrificed all personal integrity like on the other side, Ann Coulter or something like that. How could they even really have friends or people, you know, off air? It seems like it might be difficult for some of those people. I agree. It's funny you should bring up Ann Coulter because, uh, again, like, 
I I don't agree with the things that she says a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but I think that she's actually disingenuous. Right. I don't think she right. believes she the believe things the that she says she believes. I no, I yeah. agree. I she went to my law school actually. We weren't in law school at the same time. She's a little older than me, but I know plenty of people that know her, and they're kind of like. What? They're surprised by her current professors, people that knew her. She was not like this back then. She's like this now because she realized, holy crap, if I play this really unpopular part, the way that I look, like she's, you know, an attractive female. So if she plays this ultra conservative uh, bitch, really, Mm -hmm. and and I think that's a word she would use as well. I know she does use it uh, about, about herself sometimes. If she plays that role... It gets a rise out of the right people, and then the other people who really like what she has to say are like, yeah, she makes us look good, even though we have shitty beliefs, right? So there's a lot of people that resonate with that, and she's like, great, I can get a $2 million book contract every other year, Mm -hmm. and I can can sell speaking gigs for 50 grand. She didn't even have to believe the things she's saying. She does. She's smart enough to not believe them, but just know it's effective to say. And she, you know, people like that get encouragement along the way. They say one obnoxious thing, then they get invited back on another panel, and then another one. And so it, I'm exactly. sure it just grows slowly and they lose touch at some point. And, and that's the whole Fox News model. Yeah. Get a bunch yes. of hot hot blondes and brunettes Have them to be, be yeah. conservative or, or right-leaning. And then the right goes, woohoo! See, we got the hot girls. Yeah, that's Toby, a, be yeah. inclusive. Be inclusive and include brunettes. Don't just go to blondes. You're right. You're Come right. on. <laughs> Come hey, on, Jordan, man. When it, when it comes, probably no, have- almost no minorities, though, right? <laughs> They're just blondes, when, brunettes, and redheads. That's the diversity. When you have hot women that are either when, blonde or brunette, is the, yeah, that's yes. the spectrum. As long as they're as long as they're all Caucasian looking, we're good with right. it. <laughs> Hashtag Fox News. Caucasian looking. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be. We right. like diversity. If you're one sixteenth Native American and you still have blonde hair, we've got a job for you. Watch no Fox News. <laughs> Jordan, when you have guests on Art of Charm, like how? How responsible do you feel when it comes to your audience to disagree with them if they're saying something that you know is rubbing them? Like, like you talked about how people don't, you know, people want to hear just what they want to hear. They need to tune into something that's not going to stretch them. You know, go to their conservative radio or liberal radio or whatever. But we've we've often gotten like our audience know they they know what we think. They know what we believe. And so when we have a guest on that sees life completely different, like says things that are super extreme that our audience know, hey, those guys don't totally get into that. It's almost like they want us to be assholes to them, not just subtly disagree, not just have some dialogue, but man, you guys have got to stand up and, and that sort of thing. Like, do you have... How do you handle that? Like, do you feel a sense of responsibility to be assertive with your disagreements, or do you just kind of let them take the platform, speak what they want to speak, and let it be as it is? I feel some of a responsibility to disagree. So, for example, when I mentioned Scott Adams and the woman who was upset that I let Scott Adams come on the show and talk, I was kind of surprised by that. And it made me think she didn't listen to the episode very carefully because most of the way through the Scott Adams episode, I'm saying things like, do you really think this is something Trump is doing on purpose or is it more of an accident? Do you think this? I'm not saying 
I don't think this is true at all. I'm not trying to get upset and get into a debate. I want that person to teach. But what I will do is ask challenging questions so that they have to then answer them versus I think a lot of journalists, they do this, right? You'll see a a baseball player on 60 Minutes or something like that, and he's been accused of doing steroids. And the journalist will go, do you do steroids? And the guy goes, no. And they're like, okay, cool. Anyway, let's talk about something else, right? They just move right along, and it's like, Ask, asking the hard questions. It's like you didn't ask the hard question. Uh, that's not a hard question. It's a pretend hard mm. question. What yeah. I would have done in that particular situation, for example, is said something like, well, do you know that there's a, a steroid issue in, the, in Major League Baseball? Oh, of course I do. Have you seen it with your own eyes that there's a lot of people doing performance-enhancing drugs? Yes, I have. Are there people doing this for a long time or is it relatively new? No, it's been going on for a long time. Is it pervasive or is it only a handful of people? Well, it's a handful of people. Do you think it's a certain larger percentage of the league? How many people are doing it? Well, you know that maybe a third of the league is doing it from what I've seen. And have you ever experimented with these things? And then he'll go, oh, well, no. But now you've got a much more deep, you got a much deeper look at this and it's like, I'm not sure if I believe you. The third of the league is doing it. You've seen it everywhere during your whole career. And even before that, you heard rumors about it. It was happening in college or something like that. You have giant have biceps, tried it? Oh, a home no, run not record, me. and people are accusing yeah. you of it. But yeah, you said right. you, not you. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, oh, I, think no. I, I think as I'm asking that question, what I recognize is the difference with what we deal with is typically the things like we – we definitely have a good bit of conservative Christians that listen to our show. I'm not sure why they, they still do, but what it boils down with us is we've got someone, whether it's an atheist or uh, a Christian with crazy radical beliefs that are completely out of the box that people aren't used to. And so I think for us, we're like, they, they believe differently. We're not going to sit here and argue. We want to actually sit here and and learn from them. So I think I think that's the difference for, for Jordan. Us, one thing like one thing I think you system. said too. Uh, one thing you said too that I think is right. Like why why wouldn't you allow for good quality questions and then let their words right. tell you what they're trying to say? Like, yeah. like I think I think that's a really great skill you guys have on Art of Charm. Is yeah, you're inter- you're doing an interview. So why would you? Uh, Go along with just the the norm, like let the people speak. And you, like you said, when you were going back and forth about Trump with Scott, like you can let him fall on his own sword or not, however yes. he wants to answer that. But but let him be the voice. So that way, you're right. What's good? What good would it be to go? No, you're wrong about Trump. That does nothing. That doesn't right. show you Scott. It doesn't really show you you exactly. anything right. like that. That's the disingenuous exactly. thing that he's talking about. That's when you're looking right. for fireworks, yes. not dialogue. Exactly. For example, if I want to, for some reason, have a guy like Richard Spencer on Out of Charm, I, I'm not planning on doing it. I wouldn't be like, you're a joke, man. Everybody thinks you're such a loser. It would be like, tell me your most well-reasoned argument that you can muster about why I should believe anything that you're saying. And then just watch right. as this like drivel crap comes out. And you just poke little holes in it like, well, that doesn't make sense. And that doesn't check out with history. And, well, why? Nice do, how do you know that. that that's true? And they unsell the idea so hard yep. to the reasonable, educated person right. that I don't have to be like, you're an idiot. Everybody already knows, and I didn't have to say it. That's the best <laughs> sales job you can totally. get, making it almost like their idea that none of it's valid. That's right. Yeah. That's how you get people to change their mind, not by yelling at the guest you have on your show like Jerry Springer. 
Springer, mm-hmm. or not even Jerry Springer. He was smart. Who's the guy? There was a guy a long time ago. He looked like Rodney Dangerfield, and all he oh, would yeah. do is like scream at people on his show. <laughs> you know, and morning zoo DJs do this too. Opie and Anthony did stuff like that, right? Like, wow, yeah. you're a friggin' moron. And it's like, yeah, they're laughing at you, but at that point, I don't want that. I want smart people. Our, our audience is educated. It's more educated than NPR, uh, according to our latest survey data. And so those people, they don't want to hear me yell at somebody. They already no, have an opinion. Not. They already know my opinion. I don't have to sit there and scream at some guy. I just have to let them talk, and then they go, oh, that's what I thought. You're a dipshit, <laughs> right? That's what we're looking to do here. So, Jordan, you, so, you mentioned earlier, you said your show originally was, first of all, your show started a really long time ago, right? What, what year did you start? podcasting i started in 2006 great so oh, that's awesome that you were that on top that, of it. That, and that's the actual podcast too right yep yep Gosh. Uh, so so for, for people that haven't heard of art of charm it's it really is way more than a podcast i mean good lord you have like three million downloads a month so it's a huge podcast but I'm sure you see it in a bigger scope like yeah i'm tell people about for example the in-person training Sure. So in the this is good to wrap with, right? Because I'm I'm about to go interview a former KGB spy. Don't nice. be jealous. <laughs> um, we, what we do is we have programs in LA where we teach nonverbal communication, body language, reading other people, persuasion, influence, and things like that. And we teach. Uh, speaking of KGB spies, we teach intelligence agents, special forces, also just regular people. The majority of our clients are regular people. Um, and we teach those skills in a live immersive environment, live coaching. It's a week long. So people come in and stay on site at our school in LA for a week. And it's, it's, it's life-changing. Obviously, I'm biased, but you know the skills we're teaching there are those nonverbal skills and those communication skills that most people never learn and certainly don't learn you know, in school. Mm-hmm. Jordan, there's one other thing cool. I wanted to ask you. I know you got to go in a minute, so if you got a hard out, feel free. But if you got a couple more minutes, I was curious. You said you originally started as closer to something to meet girls and be social and be a dude and do that stuff, and now it's changed a little bit, and you mentioned you're married now. So tell me just a little bit about that transition. And you were you originally just you know trying to help guys pick up women? Well, I look, I'd love to get more into this. I God, I love talking to you guys. I, I really want to come back. I'm not going to put yeah, we'll you on the, the, the spot, but I'd love to do that. I have 38 seconds before okay, I no literally problem. have to be I'll on air. I'll cut that last question so, in anyway. Cool. Since we're not put live, it put it in a put a put it. a put it in a box and we'll do it again because I'm I would love to answer that yep. I think it's an important question and really interesting we'll be and in you guys are awesome you guys all are right, awesome. we'll have Jordan so, part two you too man let's talk soon all right take care Thanks, guys see you all right Jordan that was Harbinger awesome. my goodness he's unbelievable wonderful no Great seriously that that's that was a fun fun conversation we didn't even say Which it in there Joey but you had, done, Art of Char- you had done Which Art is- of Charms par- podcast right Joey yes. Yes, I don't know when it's going to air, but uh, yeah, I've I've been on, I was on the Art of Charm, I think cool. last month it was, but yeah, super fun podcast. I, I'm telling you, like I know people don't think as categorical as I do, but probably the best episode of any podcast I've ever heard was Shaquille O'Neal on Art of Charm. That's probably because <laughs> I I like sports, but I'm telling you, I I couldn't stand Shaq. Like, I hated Shaq and Kobe duo <laughs> just because they were just so unstoppable, and I'm a Boston Celtic fan. But right. I came away from that podcast saying Shaq is one of the coolest individuals out there. Oh, like, yeah, I, I just Shaq. thought it was so cool. Oh, my gosh. That's you know he's cool. a police officer, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know like, what else is cool? The truth, Joey. Hell yeah. Okay.
in a world where your friend who's a pastor is very, very attracted to other bald men in the ways that large bald men kind of has an infatuation. My name is Toby Morrell. It's the damn news. All right. Okay, what All you right. got? Your audio had a hard time coming out and hearing anything you said. It was just uh, in a world where, you know, and it made fun was, of you for a little bit. I was just trying to be an encourager. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said some flattering things about you if you could. Well, hear thanks. It. I'd like yeah. to hear that again. If uh, yeah, I'll just skip it. You, uh, it's basically what I just said. I wouldn't even listen to it. Yeah, I wouldn't don't even, back to don't it. Yeah, I'll probably tune in and listen to it later. No, nah, yeah, I wouldn't even do that part. I just to go with what I just said. Mm-hmm. Well, just I mean, if it's encouraging, I want to be able to hear it. So, well, I, I, it's our, I will, it, I'll make the time. I said stuff like, "You're just awesome. You're a great pastor. Really proud of you and the work that you've done right. for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." Awesome. So don't even go yeah, back just, and listen. Yeah. I just kind of want to hear it as you said it, as it was coming to well, you. Just so. don't do that. I'd say just waste your your time. You're such a busy man. Yeah, right. I really want to check it out. But go ahead with your news. Thank you. Yeah, just Thank don't you. do that. Yeah, just definitely don't do that. Um, all right, so I got an update here, and I thought this was pretty cool. It comes from roving reporter Alicia Smith. Oh and y'all man, me- y'all remember my news story a while back? Uh, it was about a man who was so fed up with his wife that he left, went and robbed a bank so he could go to jail. He's like 70-something mm-hmm. years old, and he just went, you're right. You remember that? Unfortunately, I remember all yep. your news stories, and that, that's unfortunate because I feel like there's a finite amount of space in my brain and things I can remember, but a lot of your news stories are, are lodged in there for some reason. It, Matt, I'll have well, to teach you some hitting. practices that I've the adopted tru- that's, uh, that eliminates that. Really? I have, the truth uh, sticks. Yeah. I don't remember any of the stories. I'll tell you how I do it later. I know All how right, you guys. completely check out during the news. That's that we know. Okay, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I've seen that before. <laughs> this this comes from WJAX TV Fox Thirty, and roving reporter Alicia Smith sent this in. A man who robbed a bank to get away from his wife didn't get the punishment he was hoping for. Lawrence Ripple, who was seventy-one years old, robbed a Kansas City bank in September in hopes of being given a prison sentence in an attempt to escape his wife. <laughs> yeah, Ripple Ripple was facing thirty-seven months in prison after pleading guilty to the robbery, but rather than receive a jail sentence, he was sentenced to six months of home confinement. <laughs> <laughs> he got zinged. He on also that. is expected to serve three years probation and fifty hours of community service, as well as pay the bank he robbed back the two hundred and twenty-seven dollars. And 27 cents that he stole. During the September robbery, Ripple, who had no prior criminal history, sat down in the lobby of the bank, uh, Bank of Labor, to wait for police after he requested $2,924 from the teller. Uh, he blamed his odd behavior before on depression after undergoing a quadruple bypass ho- surgery, but also was just trying to get away from his old lady. So it doesn't pay to do crime. You try to get away from your wife, and you can't, even if you do crime, your wife gets you. Like there, it, I, I mean, all you single dudes out there, heed this warning. You can't get out of it. It never <laughs> goes away. It's always there. I would it have loved never I, leaves you. I would have loved to have heard the conversation Marriage. he had with his buddies initially. Just like guys, I've been telling you about my wife, and I, I can't take this anymore. I'm gonna rob a bank. <laughs> Like, I, I got to do it, whatever it takes to get away from her. And if jail is the thing, I'm going to do it. Harold, do not do that. Some people don't think jail is that bad. If they've watched the wrong set of prison movies, they think, well, yeah. it looks so bad. You read, work out, hang out with the guys. Just, just watch you Count know. of Monte right. Cristo. Right. He's, he's 71. He's like, oh, three, three meals a day. I watch a little bit of, yeah. uh, you know, court TV. Go to bed at a reasonable hour. It can't be that bad. But that's what I'm saying. Marriage drives he's you just crazy. just seen the wrong set of movies. Men and women. Men and women, you go crazy from marriage and kids. 
I, look at, I mean, my parents, they're, they're insane. They don't, they don't have any brain left or anything and <laughs> no marriage left anything. It's just, it really gets, you have to really work on it and be just on your tiptoes and really figure out marriage or Until else you, die. you will rob, you'll rob a bank. Right. So and, marriage, and, so you basically, your, your remarks about marriage is marriage will get you, It'll you'll lose your brain on and it. And your life and your marriage. <laughs> 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 marriage is supposed to be fun. How much fun? How, what percentage of marriage is fun? You think? Oh, very little. I mean, that's not well, like I mean, the just point fun. Of it. Like, like fun, like going to a theme park when you're 14 years old. How much of your marriage is like that? Like, oh my god, I get well, to ride this roller coaster. How much of your marriage, Joey, is that? Uh three <laughs> percent. I mean, here's here's what I was uh, here's what I, I was know. telling a couple just yesterday. I actually said I was like, look, marriage being fun. 50% of them end. I was like, do you think the other 50% are just unbelievable? And right. like, that's just the best thing ever. Yeah. If there's a movie that 50% of the people walked out of halfway through, is it a possibility that it's a good movie? It, it doesn't win an award. Is it possible that the other 50% of people love it? If, you, if half of them walked out 45 minutes in? All right, that's the damn news. That'll All right, well, Daniel Salazar, Ethan Amarin, Brayton Teleglowski, uh, Daniel Gilligan, Vladimir Nikovsky, and Brian Long, and lastly, Philip Mazio. We want to say we appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You guys obviously stumbled upon thebcclub.com. You were just messing around, surfing the internet, and you, it, you, you just typed in BC because you were trying to go to Boston College University, and instead you ran into thebcclub.com, and now you're hooked, and we appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, welcome to the BC Club, you guys. Yep, thank you. Glad the club is still growing, and it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, I'd ask you to please consider – Helping us fund the production of the show—that's basically what's going on. Is you can you're getting the show for free. We're putting a ton of time and effort into it. And if you would just be a solid, good person, then you would join the BC Club, join our community, which you will enjoy. You'll get a lot of benefits out of, and most importantly, you will feel like you're contributing to the production of the show. Since we ain't got no boss, we ain't got no network, we ain't got no yeah. trust fund parents giving us money or anything like that we're, right. we're hustling to get all this done and try to create the show we want to do and the lives for us and pay our bills and you know have some walking around money at the end of the day to buy some beer but that's about what we're trying to do but please go to the thebcclub.com and consider helping us fund our production um, yeah. Also, we're going to be at Audio Feed, so don't forget about that. Go to badchristianday.com to get your ticket for Audio Feed. Uh, David Bazan is going to be there. John Mark McMillan is going to be there. We're going to do the podcast live, and then Matt and Toby is going to be performing. It's in Urbana, Illinois uh, at the end of June, like the 30th through July 3rd, something like that range. Go, You can go look at it on the website, but we'd like to see everybody out there and buy your ticket through our link, badchristianday.com. We'll do the podcast live. We'll have a great time. Thank you, everybody. Yep, yeah, and, and last Matt, but not least, last but not least, too, does, about the, can I say something about Matt and Toby record? I was listening to it. We got the Masters back. I'm thinking it's going to be the best Christian album in this year. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's unbelievable. I was listening to it yesterday. I know I'm tooting my own horn. I'm sounding braggadocious, but this album is awesome. I am. I can't very, wait. Very and happy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. 
And uh, last but not least, that spot on my head was precancerous, folks, but I got it frozen with nitrogen uh, nitrogen oxide or something like Good that. Good Lord. So you're okay? I don't know. What does that mean? Do you have I any just, more cancer? It's precancerous. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.